D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast with your hosts, Garen and Dan. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we are bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hello again everyone, I'm Garen. And I'm Dan, and this week we did something stupid and used the website whothefuckismydndcharacter.com. This is a website that will give you a race, and a class, and a brief little backstory for character ideas. And to be honest, for as stupid as this thing seemed when we first heard about it, it's got some pretty good prompts in there. Yeah, actually, I'll agree. It got my noodle working on a pretty elaborate backstory. My prompt from the website said, Check this shit out. I'm going to be a fucking cunning human bard who used to be wanted by the law, but changed his ways after a profound encounter. So that got me thinking, and here's what I came up with. His name is Ronan Wood. He was a frequent deviant in school growing up in a poor town. Ronan was never one for taking the easy route in life. Dropping out of school at grade three, Ronan's mother made it clear to him that he was to go to work for one of the merchants in town or he was no longer welcome in her home. Ronan decided that, well, he could make it out on his own in a bigger merchant city. Working for a gamesmith in Waterdeep, Ronan became quite skilled at the Three Dragon Anti-Con. Ronan did not make any friends as he was frequently far too edgy and daring for other kids his age. He grew up refining his craft of the three dragon ante, but in solitude. When he turned 24, he decided to quit the gamesmith shop and travel about as a fly-by-night con man. This worked out quite well for him traveling all throughout Faerun, taking poor suckers copper in a game designed for them to lose. Ironically, when passing through the town of Dead Luck... Ronan ran into a mysterious man dressed in a long black trench coat smoking a pipe in the aqueduct. Ronan asked the man if he was keen on playing a round of three dragon ante. The man quietly obliged and Ronan began his con. When he finished and asked to collect the man's money, Ronan began to hear whispers of voices mocking him in his head. The whispers drew louder and louder until he could no longer concentrate or even move his body. A sudden piercing howl ran through one ear and out the other, and Ronan was left with an unbelievable pain in his head, the likes of which he had never felt before. The man who stood before him laughed gruffly and said, You really shouldn't run that trick around here amongst strangers. Come here, boy, you look hungry. Come with me. Ronan followed the man back to a large stone building with many rooms filled with books and laboratories and even chambers. Ronan did not care much to learn about what was in these rooms, though. His recent cerebral encounter left him exhausted. He retired to one of the rooms upstairs. In the morning, Ronan saw the man in one of the large rooms filled with books lecturing to a group of young men and women. Ronan sat in one of the chairs to listen in. He learned that the man ran an academy for mystics. Though not capable of harnessing the powers of the mystics himself, Ronan sat in on these classes for the next five years and learned many powerful manipulative tactics of the mind, all of which he used to get by in his everyday life as a scrappy young man. One night, however, he was approached by a group of thugs, and they tried, but failed, to mug him, the lot of them, left on the ground, laughing in hysterics uncontrollably. It was then that Ronan learned that he must use his newfound abilities to, for good to protect the law-abiding citizens of greater dead luck. Let me introduce you to Ronan Wood, the variant human, level 9, College of Lore Bard of the Criminal 
or spy background. Again, another plea to someone to create more backgrounds. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so glad there's no mystic levels in this character. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was very nervous you were going to tell me you multiclassed him to a mystic, I, and I was like, well, I quit. <laughs> I did not. That is a broken, broken Good. class. <laughs> oh, all right, cool. Cool, good backstory on that. I like your run-in with the law was on something kind of subtle like gambling. Well, let me tell you about mine. When I hit who the fuck is my D&D character, I got, I'm going to start rolling stats for a fucking inventive halfling cleric from a laid-back beach town who doesn't understand sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to tell you about a little boy, little halfling boy, who was living on the beach. His name was Billy Some Morning Tide. And one day, Billy Some Morning Tide was walking down the beach, and he came upon a Triton man sitting forlorn and looking out towards a group of young women partying on a boat. When Billy Some asked him what was wrong, the Triton said that he would love to impress the girls, but they just didn't seem to care about his excellent swimming skills. Billy Some suggested that maybe he could get their attention if he soared atop of the waves rather than beneath them. The Triton, being one underneath the waves his entire life, rolled his eyes and said, yeah, great idea. Well, Billy Sum took that as acknowledgement of his great idea and got to work on creating something new and exciting, a Warforged jet ski. When the Triton saw this, he was happy, but when Billy Sum asked him for payment for the jet ski, the Triton just hopped on it and rolled away saying, see you later, sucker. (sighs) Billy Sum still gained something that day from this experience, and that was the joy of his creation. Another character with a jet ski. No, if you're listening, if you're paying attention... This is the guy that invented the jet ski for the other character. (laughs) Just to cut you off a little bit more, Billy Sum is not a douche. The other guy was a douche because he didn't pay for the jet ski. He stole it from Billy Sum. And Billy Sum wanted to create and invent every day from then on. And so he sought out the appropriate deity for that. And that is why he is a faithful cleric of the god Gond, the Wonderbringer. So I have once again dipped in to the Fates of the Forgotten Realms book, because as soon as I saw this inventive cleric, I said, Gond is one of my favorite characters from the Forgotten Realms, and that is who I want to have, and so I have a level 9 halfling cleric of the inventor background, which I got from D&D Beyond. All right, I really actually like this character build, even though he was proud of his douchey jet ski that he built. He was proud that he created something new and exciting, The other guy made it into a really douchey thing. I mean, imagine if the jet ski wasn't only ridden by douches. Take yourself to that world. Now, you know what you might be saying to yourself? A great show like D&D Character Lab, who the fuck is their sponsor? Well, let me tell you. Cantrip Candles. They're the purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world, such as musty taverns, libraries full of arcane texts, Or how about their brand new scent, Scarborough Fair? Nothing immerses you into an open market atmosphere quite like this candle with its spicy notes of what else? Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Of course. But to be honest, their scents are so diverse and so full of potential that you can find a scent that will fit just about any of your adventure settings in their their sampler pack, which offer all of their scents for just $11 plus shipping. Once you decide that you want to buy every single one of their scents, we are happy to announce that you now can, and the lab will help cover some of the costs. When you use the code LABRAT, that's L-A-B-R-A-T, all caps, all one word, at checkout, you'll receive 10% off your total purchase. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles, and if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. 
So wherever the fuck you find yourself, you're bound to find a candle that fits that setting. Thank you, Dan and Cantrip Candles, for that message. I wonder if they have a good scent for blood, because I'm hopping into the melee category. And so for melee, I am arguing a zero. I got a pair of daggers, plus seven to hit, 1d4 plus three piercing damage. That's zero worthy. Absolutely. What kind of damage are you dealing out for the melee category? Not much. I got a mace, 1d6 with a minus one strength modifier. That's minus one worthy. It sure is, my friend. But you know what? I think I could get a zero on ranged with a 1d8 plus three. On my crossbow, that is. Give me a zero. Give me a zero. Yeah, that's fine. You can get a zero. Thank you. How about you? I'm arguing a minus two because I got nothing. Okay. I got absolutely nothing. For those of you that love range, I promise someday in the future, Dan and I will really, really highlight range and all the cool things it can do. But it hasn't been lately. It sure hasn't. But when it comes to magic damage, I'm arguing a zero here because I have one spell that does damage. But that spell is synaptic static and that does 8d6 damage. Whoa. 8d6 is a lot. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a zero on that. I was also going to argue a zero. I have destroy undead up to CR1, which is pretty nice for a channel divinity. I've got sacred flame and toll the dead as cantrips. But I get to add my wisdom modifier to the damage, so Arguna Zero. Okay, you can take it. Boy, this has been a friendly and easy. When is it going to get nasty? Probably with control. Now, for control, I got some interesting things to offer. The Craft Domain, which is the followers of Gond for Clerics, have access to a spell called Analyze Contraption. Now, this is a cool little spell that for the duration you gain advantage on intelligence investigation checks to figure out how a device, trap, or mechanism works. If you're successful in your investigation check when analyzing a device, you gain advantage on any ability checks to disarm or operate the object's mechanisms for the duration. Your concentration is up to 10 minutes on this. So this is a way to make the rogue kind of obsolete in your party because you could just look at the trap and totally figure it out. I also have the lucky feature of being a halfling. I want to go on record right now and say that I think the ghost-wise halfling might be, I'm not going to say overpowered, but overall most useful race that is available. I will agree because I featured it in one of our episodes and uh, he had a haunted one background and the utility on this race is super handy. But I think where the drawback is, is thematically, if you're looking at the pairing a background with this race, it doesn't exactly fit in with just about any storyline. That is tricky, yes, because it is a very specific type of creature, the Ghostwise Halfling. But let me just run down the plus two dex, plus one wisdom, small size, speed of 25 feet. Lucky, as I mentioned, when you roll a one, which is the Halfling ability, on any attack, ability, or save, you get to re-roll, but you must take the result. So that almost guarantees you won't get any natural ones during the game. You also have the Brave feature, which is advantage on saves against being frightened. You have Halfling Nimbleness, where you can move through a space of a creature larger than yours. And Ghostwife Halflings have Silent Speech, where you can speak telepathically to a creature within 30 feet of you as long as you share a language. Having that as just a racial trait, very, very useful. Especially in, in those like really contentious, high-pressure roleplay environments where you're really trying to figure out a strategy, but you don't exactly have the time to figure it out. That, that telepathic communication in common with just about any member of your party is super useful. Or those times where you just talk out loud forgetting that an enemy could probably hear you. Bingo. 
To wrap up my argument, I am arguing a plus one because I also have tensors floating discs, which allows you to put out what exactly what it sounds like, and you can move those discs around, which would be good for kind of repositioning and things. And I have Unseen Servant, which could help with the Analyze Contraption kind of disarming traps situation. Yeah, uh, you're you're 100% worthy of a plus one, but the problem is you're going to roll for it. Fair. 11, no modifier. Going to need that 15. Rolled an eight. I will take a zero. For this category, I'm arguing a plus two. So I created a bard that is really controlling. I have Dancing Lights, Friends, Message, Charm Person, Hideous Laughter, Sleep, Calm Emotions, Detect Thoughts, Enthrall, Clairvoyance, Major Image, Confusion, Mislead, Cutting Words, Font of Inspiration, Cause Fear, Bestow Curse, and Counter Charm. Easy plus two. Wow. Yeah, you don't really need much beyond that. That is a, a lot of opportunity to get out of a lot of situations. All right, I'll give you a plus two on that. How tanky is your bard? Now, the reason I didn't go into detail on the control is when we get into our charisma, I will utilize a lot of those. So just stay tuned for that. Now, for tankiness, I'm arguing a minus one. I have an AC of 13 with 63 hit points. Ooh, okay. That's definitely a minus one. I am arguing a plus one. I have an AC of 18 with 64 hit points. I also have that halfling nimbleness and bravery, which allows me to, I feel like, kind of tough out a fight a little bit better. I also have one healing spell if I need it. What do you think? I think you're giving yourself a little too much credit here. Yeah, maybe. What was your AC? AC of 18. Yeah, that is pretty beefy. And it's level nine. I'll waver. You can have it. Nice. So let me talk to you about ally assist. But before I do that, I take a brief moment to explain how you, the listeners, can help the D&D Character Lab. Have you checked our Patreon? We got tiers starting at a dollar, move all the way up to 20. We have a Discord that you can chat with us, create pop culture characters with us twice a month. We recently created a subclass based on Maui from the Moana movie. We got bonus episodes, early access to our regular show, and you can even name our characters. Best of all, our patrons have been battling one another in our Discord and the Fan Lab channel. This has been happening almost more than once a week lately, and this is a blast. Dan and I pop in, and the other members of the Discord do, and we listen to these guys duke it out. People are really bringing out their, their best stuff, so be sure to check out all the details on that at patreon.com slash Lab. Not only do Garen and I pop in on those fan lab battles, but we also do cast some vicious mockery in there as well. We're very encouraging of our patrons. Now, Billy has got a wombo combo for you here, Dan. Listen to this ally assist. Be still my heart. I love wombos combos. It's not really a wombo combo. It could be in volume two because this is Beacon of Hope, a spell that for one minute grants my allies advantage on wisdom and death-saving throws, and allows them to gain maximum possible healing from any healing spell. This is a hell of a spell to bust out if a fight is going poorly, especially against a magical enemy. You know, if you're up against an evil wizard, you gotta pass those wisdom saves. Maybe you got one of your friends down. So I cast that on one turn. It takes one action to cast it. On my next turn, I cast Mass Heal Wounds for 3d8 plus 4, 28 hit points per member of my party. Guaranteed. Yeah, I'm definitely not mad at that combo. That's nice. So I also have a couple of extra things to add here into Ally Assist. I have got Skill Empowerment from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, a fifth level spell where I touch a willing creature and it grants double proficiency for ability checks for the one chosen skill. I got to choose a skill that they're proficient with and they're not already getting double proficiency like if they have expertise like you do, Mr. Bard. 
So I got that, and I also took Bountiful Luck from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. That is my feat, which allows me to grant the benefits of my lucky trait as a halfling to my allies. If I use that, I have to wait to use luck again until my next turn. That is one of the purest forms of ally assist there, where I dedicate an entire level's gains to helping my friends. So I imagine here you're arguing a plus two. Yes. You will get that plus two, and I was previously arguing a plus two, but I will tell you why I'm not going to get that. Ooh. A little a little interesting take on my normal argument. I have Bardic Inspiration with a D8 at this level. I have Song of Rest, Crown of Madness, Cutting Words, which uh, is a College of Lore trait, which when a creature that you can see within 60 feet of you makes an attack roll, an ability check, or a damage roll, you can use your reaction to expend one of your uses of Bardic Inspiration, rolling a Bardic Inspiration die and subtracting the number rolled from the creature's roll. Now, this can be used for basically any attack on anyone in your party so if you see that your comrade is doing not so well you can subtract on that attack roll or their ability check or their damage roll and make sure that that nothing bad happens to your friend i'll also argue here that a lot of the control spells that i argued that i also listed above like confusion and mislead are greatly beneficial to my friends so i'll take a plus one here all right nicely very honest of you that's also a really good lineup of stuff. I could see how that was totally plus two worthy. Until you Bards are very helpful to their friends. Yeah, until you came in hot and heavy. I'm arguing a plus one for balance. So this is an extremely controlling bard. So I'm going to run through the numbers here. I have a strength of 10, dex of 17, con of 9, intelligence of 15, wisdom of 12, charisma of 20, proficiency in dex wow. and charisma saving throws. Listen to the numbers here. I'm going to run through every ability. Acrobatics plus 5. Animal Handling 3. Arcana 4. Athletics 2. Deception 13. Highlight a couple others here. Intimidation 9. Investigation 6. Performance 9. Persuasion 9. Sleight of Hand 11. Stealth 7. Perception 5. Passive Wisdom uh, 15. Passive Insight 15. Passive Intelligence 16. Another highlight here is the Spell Save DC against my spells, which is applicable to most of my control spells is 17 and on range spell attacks it's a plus nine to hit so i'm arguing a plus one just because the damage dealt on basically melee ranged and spells really ain't much i got daggers no ranged weapon and one damage dealing spell wow yeah no that is definitely plus two word that's that's fantastic oh you're gonna give me a plus two because i was arguing a plus one but i'll definitely take a plus two. Oh, you know the plus one you get a plus one. Oh, oh okay you, you lost me with all of your details. I was enthralled. Are you a glamour oh, bard? I also have the enthrall spell, if you want that. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm good on that. <laughs> How balanced are you? I'm pretty balanced. Well, eh, let me rephrase that. I'm decently balanced. I have a strength of 8, a dex of 16, a con of 11, intelligence of 13, wisdom of 18, charisma of 11. I have four proficiencies, nothing on your level. My spell save DC is 14. I think this is a plus one for sure. Oh, boy, that's tough. I have a lot more impressive of a repertoire here. Maybe you should have argued a plus two then, and then mine would have looked better. <laughs> no, because mine truly is a plus one. I think maybe you're more a zero. Maybe you're a zero. <laughs> Will you take the a zero person. and just be a kind gentleman? I'll, I'll take the zero. Yes, that's fine. Now, provided to <sighs> us by our new $10 level patron, Ryan Leftley, he has given us a smooth operator and spitting fire scenario, which states, playing a game of chance at the local taverns with some dragon board adventurers, and one of them accuses you of cheating. 
how do you get out of the situation? Garen, how do you handle this in a smooth manner? Okay, so I would use a persuasion check, first off, to try and prove to them that I was definitely not cheating. I'd be like, guys, seriously, we're playing this game here. I would never do that to you. I got my lucky trait in case I nat won that shit. I get another try. I talk my way out of it for a moment. And then I just say, you know what? I, I, I don't really want to be here in this tension. I'm just going to leave. I head back out of there and I talk to my boys real quick. And I say, look, we're not going to let that stand. We were here to play some games. They caught us cheating. That's not the important part. The fact is that they called us out on it. So I am going to start using some of my features here. I have got fabricate and lesser fabricate where I can create items out of thin air. I have got minor creation where I can start building things with my magic. These are spells from the craft domain, a third level illusion, minor creation. Now, let me ask you, the lesser fabricate, is that more like a burlap? What kind of <laughs> what kind of fabric are we dealing with? I can create an ore out of wood. I can create a shirt out of wool. Very, very itchy. Straight up wool shirt, yeah. So I start get I get to work with my boys and I use one of my craft channel divinities, which is enhanced tool or weapon, and I give my friend proficiency in Smith's tools and Tinkerer's tools, and they start working with me. Enhanced tools or weapons. So craft domain, as I kinda of haven't gotten into it yet, is kind of like a forge domain but less aggressive. So this allows you to gain a magical bonus equal to your wisdom modifier, but as to a tool or a weapon. So you can, as a wisdom of 18, for one hour, I can make a plus four weapon. That's pretty cool. I agree. In this situation, I'm, I'm doing plus four to Tinkerer's and Smith's tools, and we're building a Rude Goldberg machine that we're then going to put in the tavern overnight, and we're going to come back the next day to play against these guys. And when they call us out and cheating again, because we're going to cheat again, we're a bunch of halflings, we love to cheat, I trigger the machine underneath my foot, and it does a series of things all the way down around them, knocks their cups over, shows their dice underneath the thing, and we accuse them of cheating. That didn't really make sense. This argument fell apart. It did, but what is your sleight of hand? I have sleight of hand proficiency, and I have a dex of 16, so that is a plus 7, I believe. With a sleight of hand, your argument has revived itself. It's almost like you cast Revivify I'm really... on your argument. Garen to Dan here, I'm really disappointed in this argument. <laughs> but, I totally lost focus on this argument. <laughs> but I will tell you, I gave you a little bit of steam here <laughs> with your sleight of hand check having proficiency and a Rube Goldberg apparatus at play. What were you originally arguing? Uh, I, I, for the listeners, I wrote down all of these notes and I should have just ordered them in a way that made sense. I was going to argue a one. I'll take a zero. Yeah, definitely zero is good. Ugh, oh, that's a relief. Sorry, you guys had to listen to that. <laughs> I'm arguing a two here. I would roll this. I would roll a sleight of hand check, which is a plus eleven to any roll, to quickly apply a disguise from my disguise kit to reveal that I was really a woman with flowing hair. But it would be very obvious that I was Ooh. still the cheating man in question. But I would then cast the enthrall spell, which. On a failed wisdom save, again, DC 17, makes it impossible for the men to perceive any other creature than me, so their attention is focused on me. I would then cast the mislead spell and immediately become invisible at the same time that an illusory double of my poor attempt at a womanly disguise appeared. While the dragonborn look at me in great doubt, I would assure them that I was Rona, Ronan's beautiful sister, with my plus 13 deception. <laughs> 
So the reason that I would have this illusory double of me is if I fail the next part, they wouldn't really know it was me. I would then immediately cast Charm Person on a lot of them. Again, DC 17 wisdom saving throw, and they would be enamored with my poor attempt at beauty. They'd just love what they were looking at. I would then end the mislead oh, yeah. spell and hastily cast the major image spell of that same androgynous woman saying, hey, big boys, you going to take me out to eat and show me a good time at the inn or what? And then I would have the illusion take the dragonborn in the opposite direction of me and use a plus seven stealth check to get the hell out of dodge. I'm already a plus two here. Yeah, that was really weird and great. I would give you a plus two on that, but you're going to have to roll for this one. Okay. Roll a 10 plus five. That's not going to get me anywhere but a plus one. But I will tell you how I'll handle this in an aggressive manner. I would cast Crown of Madness on the most vocal of the scaly foes and mentally instruct him to assail his other comrades. When the other two sufficiently beat up on the dragonborn wielding the Crown of Madness... I would then end the Crown of Madness spell and cast Calm Emotions and say, hey, come on, guys. Can't we all just get along? On a failed DC 17 charisma save, those dragonkin would be cool as cucumbers, but they'd still be battered from what they just went through. I would then buy them all drinks and start to talk about extremely boring shit. They would tune it out, and they would then slowly be put to sleep by the sleep spell that I also have. And then one by one, I would cast Synaptic Static, to wake them all up using <laughs> cutting words on each of them to subtract D8 from their wisdom save against my synaptic static. Again, that uses a bardic inspiration die, which I have nine of, and I would use it on every one of those dragonborn to subtract that D8 from their wisdom save. And so when they fail, I would then take 8D6 psychic damage on each one of those, and their heads would all pop like water balloons in the bar. Now, any unfortunate dragonborn souls that would be left alive would be subject to hideous laughter and they would be rolling around in bits of cranium and brain matter of their dragonborn friends on the tavern floor as i make my way out of the tavern with their cash in hand that's a plus two that escalated quickly but it's aggressive it is super aggressive yeah you were kind of boring me to death when you got to the boring part but then it just really went into the stratosphere there <laughs> So I like to see, wow. I like to see synaptic static as like just this such intense psychic damage that they're just like clenching their temples and their head just pop. Oh yeah, there should be more popping heads in D and D for sure. <laughs> I mean, wizards, are you listening yet? You're not listening. We've done over fifty episodes. Come on, guys, we got great ideas. Garen, accept the fact that wizards will never listen to our show. Head pop mechanics. Get on it, Merles. <laughs> So yes, you can have your plus two for that. That was a real a real roller coaster you took me on. I'm going to redeem myself with spitting fire here. Here's what I do. I use silent speech to speak telepathically to the most vocal of the dragonborn. And I say, yeah, he is cheating. They're all cheating. Your friends are cheating. And the guy says, what's going on? Then I use unseen servant to bring him another drink to the table. So this drink just floats down in front of him. Then I use minor creation to create the silhouette of two little girls standing on the other side of the room underneath the light. They'd be made out of wood because I can't create actual human figures, but I can create them in the shape of, of people. Then I use control water to control all the water in the beer that's in the barrels in the back of the room. And I burst it through the back doors like the blood down the hallway. And I am totally shining this guy. I make him go crazy 
right there at the table. And as a typhoon of beer washes over them, I ride it out just like my friend who stole the jet ski from me at the beginning of this story. Okay. You redeemed yourself. Plus two. (laughs) A little bit of a stretch. I don't know about that. You had to see that coming. (laughs) Plus one. I'll give you a plus one gladly. Not even going to make him go crazy. Hold on. Roll for crazy. I'm going to roll for crazy. I got a five on crazy. I'll take that plus one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Fair. Okay. So, Dan, we have reached the end here. And before I tell you the scores, would you play this character? So I think this is a cool take on a bard. I didn't really want this to be seen so much as a magic user, but like somebody who had a dark past and the ability to kind of manipulate the mind through this just intense training and study so it's almost like a psychic wizard you know what i mean i kind of reskinned the bar mm-hmm. to be this super focused psychic damage dealer through study i also like a build of any character that kind of has a low damage output but a ton of battlefield control that's always fun yeah i really do like that yes because being in combat if it's just about rolling those attack rolls and you miss those attack rolls you feel like you're not doing anything so to have these options in combat to really sway it in your favor and that of your friends, that really brings up the morale of the whole table and makes the thing more exciting. Agreed. And just to touch again on those two scenarios. So I used a ton of abilities in both the smooth operator and spitting fire scenarios, and there were still a handful of things that I didn't touch on. If you want to review again all the stuff I had, just rewind to the control portion of this episode. There were still like five or six spells that I didn't even touch. No one wants to listen to that again, but okay. (laughs) Garen, would you play your character this week? I enjoyed this character. I think that this character is actually one of the toughest to highlight in the format of our show because the spells he has access to and the overall concept of the Gond cleric is very much a role play out of combat, you know, kind of working your way through the troubles and the trials and tribulations of the game. You know, it's not exactly exciting radio to talk about all the things he could build, but I do want to talk about one more feature. His channel divinity is a bolster of armor and just like the forge cleric, but the forge cleric has to do it after a long rest. I can just touch the armor and for one hour, it regains that bonus. It gains that plus one bonus. So that's kind of how they balance it out there. I do enjoy this craft domain. I thought it was a really unique, really smart way to play. So I wouldn't, I would play this at some point. But Dan, that aside, I do have to announce that you've won this episode four to three, and you may have won this week, but I've already forgotten the name of your character and everything about it, except the fact that it was an overpowered bard. So thank you for joining us for who the fuck was Dan's D&D character. <laughs> now, let's get into updates From the lab. Number one, we talk about our DMs Guild stuff all the time, and we have got something new coming very soon for you, where we are going to be heading into the Beastlands, which is a plane of existence, one of the outer planes that you can head to, and we have got some new races and subclasses coming for you, all in one supplement that'll only be a buck. Number two, check out our spread shirt. Link in the show notes for our MinMax series where you can show off how charismatic you are or are not and all of the other skills, depending on which one is your favorite. Be sure to check our social media as our YouTube channel will be up and running very soon and the details will be there. And that about wraps things up for this week, Lab Rats. Just remember, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. 
sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. Or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app.